fourth and 22. Mahomes getting away from Benito and then just heaving it downfield and it's intercepted. Picked off by Justin Simmons. Fifth time he's gotten Mahomes in his career. The Chiefs are out of timeouts and Denver will take over. The hell was that? <laughs> you know what that was? You know what that what was? was well, that was the Chiefs had won 16 in a row until yesterday. And they didn't get their 17th in a row. Okay? Nobody cares what Max Scherzer says. Go seven innings to shut out baseball. Nobody cares. But they do care about the Broncos beating the Chiefs. How far back How far back do they have to go into the vault to find that? Uh, last night. How many night? years ago was that? Eight years. What do you mean? To- well, how many? It what? happened last night, yesterday. It did. Yeah. Oh. Nobody cares that, what you th- think either. Nobody cares what a, you is think. Is that a big, only is that thing a big I, deal? Only thing I can, it is in my house. It is in my house. <laughs> okay. When my when my wife is sitting in a snowstorm, texting me, going, "Are you watching this game?" <laughs> yeah, I'm watching. Yeah, you I was need watching. To find, you need to find stuff to do with your free time. Read a book. Go for a walk. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. You got a signed copy of your book? Maybe I try that thing out for size on a rainy Sunday with nothing to do. You can't. They're all yeah. sold out. Oh yeah. Ain't no more copies. Copies left. It's Blair and Barker. It's Monday. It's a baseball show. <laughs> got nothing to do with. Uh, uh, um, who the hell did? Who was Denver playing yesterday? It was it Washington or somebody like that? It was, yeah. Was Taylor Swift there? Let's hope so. Boy, let's hope so. That's all so. I care about. I don't care about anything let's else. Let's hope so. Yeah, you can't even you can't even watch it. You can't even watch a Chiefs game. Because all Why? they do is show her. Because that's all they do is show her. Doesn't have any mad that doesn't have any impact in my life. I wouldn't watch a Chiefs game if they were playing in my bedroom. So doesn't really matter. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Sorry, man. So it happens as as you're sipping your little tiny cup of coffee. It's yeah. called espresso. You're, the, you're like the only human alive that don't like pro football. You're the only one. So congratulations. I'm quite you're original. You're original, Mr. Jeff Blair. You're the only one. We finally found them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really care. Uh, Doesn't matter. You can watch those guys beat their brains in if you and want. And I do. I know. You've got no. You, you can't be a moral I have four person different to watch games the on the same TV screen. That's, Absolutely, that says Proud a lot about it. you. That says a lot about it does. you. Suspend your morals. Happy to do it. Suspend your morals for for four hours every Sunday so you can watch uh, guys beat the hell out of each other. That's fine. I don't care. Sounds like you do. <clears throat> no. Uh, I was going to talk about Max Scherzer. <laughs> you could still talk about him. He's really going to say like the it. same old thing. <clears throat> I think I'll. You know? I think I'll let. I, I think I'll six, let. I pitched six two, six and two thirds in the last month and a half. You know, mechanically it needs to be better. The location of my slider and my cutter need to be better. I need to throw strike one. I need to help my team and not go two and two thirds. How's that? I just said That's it for him. That's actually not what he said. I mean, it's a future Hall of Famer. Do better. Do you know what uh, his team's record is in the playoffs overall? What is it? 14 and 15. His teams lose more than they win in the playoffs. 
Does that surprise you? No. Wait, wait when he pitches? Yep. It's got nothing to yeah, do with no. his one loss record, his teams. The teams that he pitches for, he's taken the mound. This will be the 30th time that he's he's appeared in the playoffs, pitched a game in the playoffs, starting and relieving because he's done both. His team's only won 14 of those games. I, I found that shocking. That's from our friend Jeff Passan, by the way. I found that shocking. I mean, I know Max Scherzer's had his ups and downs, and, and you know, today he'll or tonight he'll start against Brandon Fott. But uh, – I found it shocking that his teams won less than half the times that he started. Now, again, that can be the product of the team as well as anything else, right? It doesn't mean he went out there and crapped the bed. Yeah. But that is surprising, isn't it? We talk about we talk about future Hall of Famers uh, differently than we talk about Jordan Montgomery's of the world. We just yep. do. Jordan Montgomery didn't look good either, right? Throwing the, the innings that he threw out of the bullpen. Routine looked different. Velocity looked different. Movement looked different. But he yeah. muscled through it, right? He gave him a decent chance. I mean, he eats a little bit of innings. So, yeah, for me, that means something. Like, I think 70% of the teams that win game three tied 1-1 win the World Series. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big start game. Yeah, for, no, for the uh, future Hall of Famer. It's a actually, giant 70, 70, to be honest, 77%. Uh, no, series that are tied. Let me rephrase that. Series that have been tied 1-1 go six games 77% of the time. So, uh, Remember when we had our conversation with Alex Anthopoulos and he talked about um, you know, power pitching, power hitting, winning in the postseason. You know, We know this postseason the teams that out-homer their opponents have gone 22-4. and four. But, Kevin, the Arizona Diamondbacks in that 9-1 win, nine runs and 16 hits. That's the most, by the way, in a World Series game since uh, the Giants in 2014 against the Royals. Twelve singles. And, of course, the three bunts, which got all the small ball people all giddy uh, all over Twitter. <laughs> Explain that to me. Are you on Twitter again? I look at it every now and then. Yeah, I think this is a, or what X the Diamondbacks or whatever the do. hell it's called. It's a hellscape, when, when, whatever it's called. X, when, Y, Z, whatever it's called. When Christian Walker's, what is he? He is eight for 48 in the playoffs. He's one for nine in the World Series. You got to do something else. Like when he ain't thumping baseballs to the pool side and hitting three run homers, you got to do what you got to do to win baseball games. And. Yeah, look, I think their their biggest thing is speed. And when you think big part of the field, most of them dudes in that lineup don't have tremendous power up the middle the other way. It's okay to hit a single, right? You're thinking about stealing a base. You're thinking about going to third base when other teams are not thinking that. You're you're thinking about putting pressure on teams that maybe can't handle that. So, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it's not like Jordan Montgomery gives up a ton of homers. It's not like Nathan Avaldi gives up a bunch of homers, right? I think the approach is when one of your bigger thumpers right in the middle of your orders, quite frankly, hadn't shown up. You have to think differently. And, you know, the Tommy Fams of the world that get four hits is a big deal this time of the year because of one other guys. It's like Marcus Simeon. Jeff, how do the how do the Rangers make up for that, right? What is he? He's 12 They have all postseason, though. They He's have two, all postseason. Yeah. They're going to need him here. Like the Diamondbacks got whatever that is, they're going to need him to do something. Like I'm not saying go four for four with two homers, but they how about a so one for three with it. a with a homer and two walks? I mean, sort of set the tone, make it a little easier for the dudes that you have behind you. 
I think that's right. The Christian Walkers, the Marcus Simeons, which team needs that guy to be better to win the World Series? I think that for me is one of the questions other than the Max Scherzer part of it, at least for me anyway. I'm not certain dudes can, at, at this stage of the postseason now, I'm not certain you can count on Marcus Simeon or Christian Walker to turn it around. Marcus Simeon been around a long time, so you couldn't think game to game experience will tell you, uh, right? You know, I slugged to the pull side. Uh, I haven't been slugging basically any pitch, right? Breaking ball, off-speed pitch, whether it's a curveball, whether it's a sweeper, whether it's a slider, uh, fastballs, I'm spotty, right? Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, right? You're trying to sort of gain from what you've experienced in the past to be better simplified. Think fastball, right? He's taking fastballs in, which is odd, right? That would mean even the most experienced guys this time of the year will overthink it. I think if he ain't going to be better, Boach may have to move him down. Like, he's an empty at that. Like, he's an easy, you can see it in his face, in his demeanor when he walks to the place. So that's that's the thing, right? It's it's If he can't do it, does your manager do it? That's a, for me anyway. And they're talking about that with Christian Walker, too, is you got to put better guys that are at least hotter at the moment right now in those spots. And Marcus Simeon leading off being... 12 for 62 and 2 for 10 with four punches in the World Series is probably right now not getting it done. So maybe that's the thing they need to look at, too, at least for me. Game, game three goes tonight in Arizona. The series is tied one game apiece. We will be joined by John Paul Morosi from Arizona uh, in a few minutes. Brad Lidge joining us as well. And uh, looking forward to talking to Brad. We can talk about the state of the uh, Rangers bullpen right now. And uh, bullpens in general, you're what you've got your fist raised there, Bart. No, no, no. He's a he's a, a little, fellow. Got a little excited about he, the Rangers. He's a fellow bullpen. Bronco. I asked him about how the Broncos looked. Oh, Jesus. Hmm. You guys, do you never win? Is that why this is such a big deal? That Absolutely. You won a game? We've lost sixteen in a row to the Chiefs. Absolutely, this is a giant that, deal. Could... This is basically the world, the the Super Bowl for the Denver Broncos. God. And and the trade That's deadline, sad. I think, is tomorrow in the Ooh. NFL. Maybe that will eliminate the NFL them trade. Nothing ever happens people. in the NFL trade deadline, does it? Uh, yeah, because there's some there's some teams that spend a lot of money that you know might give up some players this year. Yeah, uh, nine one. The Diamondbacks won the uh, second game of the World Series to tie the series. And yes, Gabriel Moreno did get a home run in that game, and that's all. <laughs> But you knew I was going to have to mention well, Gabriel Moreno at some point. It took you 11 minutes. Well, I mean, you, you were too enough. busy talking about the Denver Broncos. Let's bring in Brad Lidge <laughs> joining us on Blair and Barker. Brad Lidge, MLB Network radio host, former MLB closer. Lidge, are you really a Broncos fan too? Absolutely. Yeah. You better believe it. Yeah, no, I, I grew up in the uh, you know the heart of the John Elway prime here so uh yeah it was it was a, a great victory for the broncos one that uh yesterday over the chiefs first time in god knows how many years and of course everyone is now predicting the broncos are going to be in the postseason for the nfl so we'll we'll kind of we'll see how that plays out but uh uh it, you know t- today at least we get to celebrate the first time in the last 17 attempts to beat the kansas city chiefs if you're a denver broncos fan see jeff see uh I don't know. Anyhow, I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move on here. Um, you're, you're, you're not buy, you're not buying a Broncos uh, playoff team at this point. No, he hates uh, football. Brad, he hates football. No, He's the only human alive uh, okay. that don't watch pro let's, football. Let thank you, pro football. 
You'll notice football. I didn't say I dislike. I like college Yeah, the other football. one's called soccer. Pro no, football. I, well, soccer, well, but I watch okay. college hey, football, I'll, too. Fellas, I, I, you know, I'm also, uh, you know, kind of in the close to Boulder, Colorado, where, where, where Coach Prime is, uh, has left go. his stamp this year as well. So there you go. Coach Prime. You're in the heart of it all. They, they are a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, hey, Brad, uh, you know, we – we had a conversation with Alex Anthopoulos like two months ago when he was talking about the World Series and, uh, you know, and postseason baseball and things he's learned, et cetera, et cetera. And he talked about how important he realized it was important to hit home runs and have power pitching and that at the end of the day, that kind of that can carry you a, a long distance in the postseason. I, I was just asking Barker about how the hell the Arizona Diamondbacks scored nine runs and 12 singles. It's not it's not supposed to happen in the postseason, is it? No, it's it, well, it's not. And, uh, you know, uh, I would say four out of five times a World Series champion team is not going to be uh, in that mold. That being said, we have seen, you know, some San Francisco Giants teams do that before. Uh, we've seen a couple other teams, but most of them were in the 80s and, uh, you know, prior to that. So, yeah, this is a this is definitely a rare recipe what the Arizona Diamondbacks are doing. I mean, to get you know, nine hits in, in the six innings off of uh, Jordan Montgomery. Um, you know, it, it is it is an odd thing to watch, I think especially because our eyes are just not attuned to that in 2023 to see guys, you know, just spraying the ball everywhere around the field, you know, stealing bases, moving guys up, bunting guys over. Uh, you know, I mean, we haven't seen stuff like that, frankly, since it feels like since the 80s because even those, you know, San Francisco Giants teams I just mentioned um, weren't quite, uh, you know, that uh, athletic uh, is, is what the Arizona Diamondbacks are. So um, it's definitely a different way of, of winning ball games, And it's, it, it's weird for me because it's not something you can always put a ton of stock into. I mean, I know after this 2023 season, everyone's going to, you know, start thinking, oh man, you know, the Diamondbacks recipe and maybe even front offices are going to start trying to mold their teams after this. And there's definitely something to be said for it. But I think, you know, it, it's also a very rare uh, a team that's been able to accomplish this. And I don't know, Honestly, I don't know if this is like all of a sudden the right recipe moving forward or if the Arizona Diamondbacks are just that hot right now where they're just getting hit after hit after hit. And uh, it's working for them now, but it's, uh, it's, it's crazy to watch. Brad, do you think Max can do anything tonight mechanically, sequencing, uh, you know, throw more maybe, more of the breaking balls than the fastballs? Like, is there one thing that he can do in your mind that can at least give his team a chance? I'm not saying dominate, go seven innings. I mean, we'd all love yeah. to see it because he's a future Hall of Famer, but I just think we're past that. Is there is there one thing that you think maybe he could do to give him a chance? Well, you know, honestly, on paper, it doesn't look good for, for Max Scherzer, you know, for a lot of reasons. And I think that you know, we kind of, uh, if you've seen his last couple of starts and you know he's not 100%, you know he's just trying to grind through three or four innings or whatever, uh, with how much contact the D-backs make, and they don't swing and miss a lot, and they are totally content not trying to overswing, so you don't think that they're going to chase the Max Scherzer breaking ball or, or change up that much. Uh, on paper, it doesn't look good, but this has been so far a World Series where, like, nothing is really, you know, who would have thought Nate Valdi would have had a bad outing against the D-backs in game one or that, that Paul Sewald, who hasn't been touched, uh, especially as I watched him just dominate the Phillies, uh, that he was going to give up a home run to, to Seager. So there's been a lot of things that we that are very unpredictable so far. Um, it could be that Max Scherzer goes out there, he's hitting his spots, and he generates a lot of weak contact. 
Um, yeah, that could definitely happen. I mean, the guy's a Hall of Fame caliber pitcher. There's definitely a scenario in which he goes out there and throws the ball well. I, I can't see any scenario where he goes more than about four innings. Uh, but that being said, I, I do think there that's a possibility. Now, the the money, obviously, and, and, and I think the you know the smart thing to probably uh, you know place your money on is is that Max Scherzer is not able to get through three or four innings because the D-backs have done such a great job with, with what they've done all year long, which is uh, you know not overswing, uh, look at what the pitcher's giving him, and just try and have hard contact, you know, create chaos on uh, on the bases and, and that type of deal. So. I, look, I think Max Scherzer can definitely go out there and throw three or four innings, give up maybe two runs, and and maybe that's maybe that's just kind of enough. But um, better than that would be pretty tough for me to think that he would do that. Now, that being said, the Rangers have played incredibly well on the road this year, uh, and so again, crazy things have happened this World Series so far. It's possible, but you know, Max Scherzer, if he goes out there and does four, it goes four innings, and gives up two runs, mission accomplished, and then some. <laughs> Uh, Brad, as someone who has 18 postseason saves and an ERA of 2.18, how different of an animal is closing in the postseason compared to the regular season? Well, it's definitely different because, you know, the in, in the regular season, obviously, if you go out there and you get your job done, great, you're shaking hands, you blow a save, you're going to have to talk about it the next day, but you know, or, or that night, or whatever. But then, then the you know, then the next day, you get out there, you might get another chance, and uh, all is fine, and you know, you get your save, and it's all good. But there's, you know, blowing a save in, in the postseason, especially in the in, in you know, with the gravity of the World Series, it's like it becomes this monster where everyone's kind of like, oh, what's going to happen on the, you know, in the next game? And I think. You know, for me, first of all, the closer for the Rangers, LeClerc, did a fantastic job after giving up a big home run in the ALCS to Jose Altuve, coming right back out and doing a great job. And, you know, the question you're asking is a, is a great one because, you know, how will Paul Seawald be able to kind of rebound from, from what happened in game one when he gets the ball again in, you know, potentially game three tonight uh, or game four? Will he be able to go back out there and kind of flush everything? And I think the answer is that he probably will be. The guy doesn't seem to have a pulse when he's on the mound, but it was interesting to see him closing the game uh, or trying to close it out in game one. His command wasn't there, uh, you know, and that's something that's been, he's been completely dialed in on since, uh, you know, the postseason started. So um, it, it is, it is definitely different. You, you, you feel the difference now. Now that being said, you can also use that adrenaline to your advantage. And for me, I think my first, you know, few postseason games, I felt, uh, too much adrenaline and it can really get to you. But then after that, somewhere along the line, you kind of use it for your advantage. And then I loved it. I love the, the kind of rush of, of closing games in the, in the postseason and in the world series. And it felt like it could take you kind of to even a higher level. So um, it's just a matter of kind of getting out there and, and, and getting yourself mentally comfortable because your body's going to feel amped. That's for sure. Uh, so you got to be able to find that comfortable place and, uh, you know, the first, the first thing you got to do is make sure you get the first guy out because, you know, Seawald walked that first, that leadoff hitter. And uh, I think people knew at that point uh, with the dangerous Rangers hitters coming up that it could be uh, uh, it could be a real tough one for him. So don't walk the leadoff hitter. That's the best advice I can give any closer in the postseason. Brad, you look at the Rangers, and, and for me anyway, you look at Marcus Simeon, especially with who's pitching for the Rangers, you know, the way their bullpen is up and down, and, and you know, Boach has only got a certain guys that he has confidence in, and then there's everybody else. But I, I wonder about Marcus Simeon. He's 12 for 62 in the playoffs. He's 2 for 10 with 4Ks in, in the World Series. Hasn't been great, right? I think when you look lost that way, even if you've been around forever, 
it's really hard as a hitter to go home and have confidence in something that you can take away from whatever it bet you're trying to take that away from, right? You just mentioned it being a closer. You're you're trying to stay positive. You're trying to get that yeah. first out. Hitting's no different, right? You want to take that one good swing. You want to build off of that one good swing. And then it's just sort of contagious for you to get in an athletic position. Your bat looks quicker. Like just everything sort of falls in place. How do you think Marcus Simeon turns this around? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's going to be it's going to be tough because you know we're at a point now, and as you mentioned, those numbers we're pretty deep in the postseason, and I don't think, you know, I don't think all of a sudden it's just going to be one pitch or whatever that's going to get him uh, to where he needs to be. Because honestly, at this point, the Arizona Diamondbacks, you know, the pitching is pretty darn good, and, and you're not facing anybody in the World Series that's just going up there and you know not super dialed in and focused. So. You know, if you've gotten this far in the postseason, same thing with Christian for Christian Walker with Arizona, who has been just scuffling even worse than Simeon. Um, you know, it's not going to get any easier. And I think at this point, you just have to have productive at bats, and that's what Simeon needs to be focused on. You know, getting guys over. If if you're not going to be able to, you know, hit that home run or feel dialed in and confident at the plate, then at least do the little things. Sacrifice fly. You know, get the guy over, hit the ball to the right side of the infield that gets the guy from second to third whatever the case might be. And then maybe slowly but surely you can kind of have better at-bats and, and those hits might come toward the end of the World Series. But I'll tell you what, right now he, he does look lost. And, and guys, dude, what happens is is the, the more lost a hitter looks, I know for me, the more confident I felt pitching. And, and that's just obviously, you know, that's just typical stuff there. If you, you can see the guy is, is scuffling out there, you're going to all of a sudden feel that much better pitching to him, then that confidence will allow you to execute your pitches better. And so he's just in a really tough spot right now. You know, he's a great player and he's a great hitter, and he might run into one. Uh, you know, maybe a pitcher makes a mistake, but um, right now the, the confidence level of the pitchers is as high as his lack of confidence hitting. Hey, Brad, do, do players know that game three when you're tied 1-1, 70% of the time when you win game three, you normally win the World Series. Do players know that? You've been in World Series games. Mm. Like, do do players look at things like that and think, man, this is sort of a must win? Like, we we really need this. It says, like, in past experiences that <laughs> winning this game is very, very important. Players know that? Uh, I, I'm going to say no. I, I'm going to say, you know, players might hear that, but that's probably in one ear, not the other. And uh, I, I think – you know, every every player knows it's a it's a super important game to get you know a two to one lead, but but so is game one. I mean, you know, and, and ultimately it's just you know it's an it's another win on your way to get four. And, and you know, we've seen a lot of teams come back this postseason from from deficits you know that you just didn't think were possible. You know, Diamondbacks, the Rangers, going on the road, winning game six and seven, both of them. Um, so I. I feel like while players might hear stuff like that, and, and honestly, for me, I never would have. You know, it's more about, like, who's who's taking the ball day in and day out. You're looking at those matchups, and, you know, if one of them doesn't go as planned, all right, well, we've got, you know, seven games here. So, I, I don't – honestly, I don't think players look at it that way. Uh, you know, that, that game three is kind of a must win. I hear what you're saying about the stats and stuff. I never – I never thought that any game three I ever played in was a must win, just unless you lose the first two. But, um, you know, it, it just doesn't ever feel like a must win at that point. It just feels like, okay, let's see this matchup. This is the first time, you know, your game three starters will be going toe to toe. Let's see what they've got. Let's see if they're, they throw the ball well enough to get the ball again in like game seven or whatever, game six or seven. So it doesn't, or I guess it would be game seven. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a must win for the players. Brad, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, my friend. Be well.
Thanks, Brad. All right, Go guys. Broncos. Take care. We'll talk to you. Go Broncos. Take care. <laughs> It's Brad Lidge. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, Sliders and Saves 54, MLB Network Radio host, former MLB closer, who knows a bit about, you know, he's had some tough moments in the postseason. He's had some great moments in the postseason. Um, I think going into this series, we all kind of thought that if there was an edge for Arizona uh, in this series, it might be in the bullpen. Now, it's really hard to read anything into uh, game two, that 9-1 win, uh, other than Martin Perez uh, had a, some issues with the strike zone, uh, to say the least. But, Kevin, do you have, a, do you have any, any different read on the Diamondbacks' bullpen, or do you feel any differently about the Diamondbacks' bullpen after game one, or do you just kind of chalk that up to, um, you know, a rough outing for Paul Seawald? Yeah, look, I, I think you got to lean on him. I don't, I don't think, you know, experience this time of the year, you can just throw out the window because the dude's had one bad outing. I think with the Rangers and LeClerc, he was the guy, right, if mm-hmm. Boach and, and, and Jose did not have a couple of good outings in a row, if you're Boach, where are you going? Like, you know, and especially who's pitching yep. game three, which, you know, again, just the Hall of Famers in this playoffs have stunk. Like, they just have. Like, it has just not been a good postseason for Hall of Famers. So, yeah, look, I, I think the, the rotation has been better for uh, the Diamondbacks than it has for the Rangers, like Avaldi yeah. and Montgomery. You know, Montgomery looked like he's trying to make up for the, the outing that he was coming out of the pen. Routines really matter, right? He didn't you get one, he didn't one into, strikeout. How do you, yeah, pitch, how do you have six have, innings and no strikeouts? I think That's he had hard. one swing and miss or something, which is not very good, right? It's just the velocity was down a couple miles an hour, which is big if you're left-handed yeah. and you don't throw 100, right? It's yeah. more 92, 93 for him. And when it's 90, it just makes it easier for me to lay off sinker and you know the breaking ball that he has so yeah look it's this is why I go back to that Marcus Simeon thing like I just think he's a giant deal to and I was trying to think when Brad was talking there is there anything you can do off the field to speed things ahead like is there something you can go in a cage and and turn the iron mic up that machine that you know you can crank up to 100 and maybe because he's a pole hitter Right, he slugs yeah. to the pull side, and he's again in the in his last couple of bets. So he's taking fastballs in, which is just not Marcus, which will tell you he's thinking about it. And when you start thinking about it, and you're off a little mechanically, and there's some urgency, and people are start talking to your manager of if this doesn't work, well, what are you going to do? You going to move him down? Yeah. Like these are big talks. So. I think for me anyway, for the Rangers, he's a big deal. And I think for the Diamondbacks, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't change yep. a thing, right? You're playing with you're still playing with house money. Like the Rangers supposed to win this. You're not. Just continue to do what you're doing, go out there and have a good time. And maybe your pitching will continue to be good. Well, listen, I'm 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 with you. If if they can if they can win this game today. Uh, because we don't know what either side has planned for game four, I don't believe, in terms of starting pitching. That's why, to me, it's winning today is even more important because it's not like you've got that that sure thing going in game, in, in game four, right? It's a, You're, you're going to be kind of piecing it together. So whoever wins this uh, tonight... Yeah. You know, it sets up to go up three games to one tomorrow. If I would have told you in September that I would bet my check on fault in game three over Scherzer, you'd call I'm me with crazy. You, but I'm, I am. I'm with you. I would absolutely yep. do that just because of the stuff 
and his fastball, for whatever reason, plays. Like, I obviously I've never stepped in against it, but you can tell hitters are late on it. Like, he hides yeah. it, and obviously there's some deception, but it's got a little extra late gear to it, which makes the sweeper better. So, if Scherzer gets punched in the face in the second inning, and it's 4 5 nothing. What do the Rangers do? Like, there's that's yeah, there's know. something there, right? Especially when Marcus Simeon's not hitting. So there's a couple of things there I think you could point to with the Rangers. John Paul Morosi is covering the World Series for the MLB Network. He is in Arizona, site of Game 3 of the World Series. Again, that goes tonight at 8 o'clock on Sportsnet. John Paul Morosi joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so a reminder that uh, this is our last week for uh, 2023. Um, We'll be back. uh, We'll be doing weekly podcasts or podcasts whenever the situation arises during the offseason. Should the Blue Jays go crazy and sign Shohei Otani or... Well, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, We'll be around doing podcasts whenever the uh, situation requires. We'll be doing one podcast a week. And then, uh, as I said, we'll be doing those special emergency podcasts whenever the Jays make a significant trend. What do you laugh at, Parker? Whatever the Blue Jays make a significant make a significant move. Parker's just I have I have no idea what's going on. What's going on here? Uh, so there you go. We will uh, Friday will be our last show and you'll be able to hear us of course as always wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please leave a rating and a review. And uh, Game 3 of the World Series goes tonight in Arizona. The series is tied at one game apiece. You know, of course, the importance of Game 3 in a best-of-seven. It's in Arizona, and uh, Texas has been really good on the road this postseason, although, again, I don't think that necessarily, at this time of the year, I'm not entirely certain that means that means a great deal, as much as, the identity of the starting pitchers on the mound, Brandon Fott for the Arizona Diamondbacks and Max Scherzer for the Texas Rangers. John Paul Morosi of the MLB Network joins us now on Blair and Barker. John, thanks for joining us today. We trust that you're doing well. The travel's going good, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, listen, I was stunned. I was uh, perusing all the, you know, ESPN, the Athletic, all the all the websites and came across an article from Passan, and buried in the middle of the article, well, actually down near the end, was something I didn't realize, that Max Scherzer has made 29 postseason starts. His team has only won 15 of those. Should I be concerned about that going into tonight's game if I'm a Rangers fan? It's a great question. Uh, to your point, in um, in his starts, so in his postseason starts, actually, if you, if you boil it down even further, uh, versus relief appearances to starts, um, his team is 10 and 14 in those starts. So it's pretty remarkable. And obviously, we have to point out the big picture here that we are not talking about vintage Max Scherzer here. By his own admission, he's got this cut on his pitching hand now on top of the shoulder stuff that has to be put together with some cotton and glue and all kinds of stuff just to be able to 
get out on the mound and, and pitch. And certainly, uh, uh, as a quick parenthetical, Jeff, one one wonders what uh, what awaits him in terms of the the hand inspections <laughs> mid game. Yes. If, if he's got, as he describes it, arts and crafts going on on his hand to be able to get out there on the mound because of this cut. But you look at his first two starts of this postseason. In his first start, he faced 18 batters and gave up five runs over four innings. In his second start, he went backwards. He faced only 13 and gave up two earned runs in two and two-thirds. So he has not been vintage Scherzer. Even if you go back to last year, he had the one start for the Mets against the Padres, did not complete five innings, gave up seven earned runs. His last decision in terms of an actual win uh, credited to him based on his own performance was game one of the 2019 World Series with the Nationals in Houston, and he has made about seven or eight postseason outings since then. So his playoff record is, at least in recent times especially, is not all that stellar. It's not as good as, for example, what his contemporary Justin Verlander has been able to put together in his time. But he does have a career 3.86 ERA in the playoffs. So it's been good, just not Hall of Fame great the way that it is for for some of the greats. And I think today this is going to surprise some listeners right now, but I would say this. The starting pitching advantage belongs to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mm -hmm. I realize that Max Scherzer's on his way to the Hall of Fame and, and Brandon Fott's career is just getting started. But based on what I saw from Brandon Fott in Game 7 and what I've seen from Max Scherzer in these playoffs, I say advantage to the young native of Louisville, Kentucky, and Brandon Fott. Uh, JP, sounds like if you're boat, you would rather take out Max sooner than later. Obviously, when... Right, if it rolls around, say to the third inning, and he's gotten through that thing, I don't know, one time through, maybe it's nothing, nothing. My question is, JP, who gets the ball after him for the Rangers? Hmm. Well, I think that's a massive question because obviously you look at the way that they uh, bullpen their way through Game Seven of the American League Championship Series in relief of him, and the man who who got the ball after him, Jordan Montgomery can't go because he just started game two and so i i think that you would probably see in, in someone that i think has done a pretty good job uh, i mean the biggest out of game one belonged to dane dunning and dunning threw one inning in game one and i think that was a, a crucial crucial outing for him uh and so could he come back again he's pitched in two games already in this series the, I, the, the guy that i think is probably the most interesting in terms of a, a multi-inning bridge guy is john gray John Gray was, and we'll see what his status ends up being, obviously, for later on. Does he start? Is he available for a start? How do they handle things going forward? But Gray in game one was phenomenal. And if, if they need to re- have Gray in reserve to start game four, uh, then they've got some other things that they've got to think about. So I, I, I'm really intrigued by that because, to your point, Kevin, you can't expect Max to go too deep. And then you have to find a way. Is it Cody Bradford? Uh, Will Smith is more of a later guy. Jose Leclerc threw two innings in game one. I, I, that's why I, one of the reasons why I like the D-backs situation better. I like their, their pitching depth a little bit better. I think that they're going to get more out of Brandon Font in terms of length 
then the Rangers will out of Scherzer. And I like what the Diamondbacks have because they've been doing this all playoff long. Now, the D-backs have been having to go with an opener in game four, which was what they did in the previous round. So that might be a bit of a, a gamble and a roll of the dice to see how they handle game four. But I think we're at a stage now where, where you really, to Jeff's earlier point, given how pivotal game three tends to be, you sort of empty the tank trying to win this game. This almost like feels as if it's like a, a petite game seven almost in a certain way. Like empty the tank because game four is a crapshoot in, in and of itself because it's kind of a bullpen game. So really try the best you can to win what's more of a straight up sort of a game, game three scenario here this evening. Yeah, it's almost like who do you not want him to face two times? It's like the Barrios thing. I hate keep bringing this up, you know, if you're a Blue Jays fan, but it's obviously they didn't want, you know, Barrios to face the the lefty hit and cleanup. So you got to ask yourself if you're a Rangers fan and you're Bruce Bochy, who do you not want Max to face twice? Is it Gabby Marino? Is it Christian Walker? You know, knowing that if you're Tori Lovello, do you move Christian Walker around, put somebody else in that spot? Maybe. Maybe Tommy Pham has been harder. I, I just, this is one of those games, if you're a gut guy, sort of like Boach is, I don't think this would be the easiest game going into, right? Is, you know, I know he's not afraid to take out a future Hall of Famer, but there's got to be that time where you'd rather take him out too soon, right, JP? I just, there's got to be a guy that he doesn't want him to face twice. I, I think that for me would be where they're at right now, is especially what game three means to just the totality of this series and where they're tied one to one and how good they play on the road. Like, it's a huge game. Uh, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right, Kevin. And I, I go back to this though. And first and foremost, if you're a manager at this stage of the playoffs, and in the way that baseball in 2023 is is managed, sympathy and worrying about someone's feelings about taking it out too early that that is like such a september thing to think about i mean you you go for it and and then you let those conversations happen this is all about winning and tory lavello has talked about this uh, he, he had certainly some guys that it that he handled a bit differently than maybe you would have expected i go back to this and i actually think bruce bochi is the perfect manager to have in a game like this you reflect on, on game – I go back to game seven of 2014 and how Bruce Bochy handled that. He was in a lot of ways, Kevin, well ahead of his time. You think about whether it was that year, two years previous, he had been using Lincecum out of the bullpen, a guy that had been a starter during the course of the year. Uh, Zito at one point was sort of an afterthought. He brought him back in. And I look at Tim Hudson, who was his game seven starter back in 2014, one of the best – pitchers of his generation he starts game seven of the world series his final pitching line an inning in two-thirds two earned runs and then jeremy affelt came in if you remember got the biggest out of the game there in the second inning and then of course we know bumgarner came in later but it was knowing and i think having that belief kevin that especially if it's max scherzer if i'm bruce Bochy, i would pull max aside and say listen i'm not gonna let this game get away from you. And in as many words, and obviously Max may not want to hear that, but I think the key thing is give me what you've got for as long as you've got it, and you don't worry. You just go as long as you can go. I'll figure out the rest of the game. And I think that's where if his earned runs ends up being like two, which is what it was the previous time in game seven against the Astros, you're okay with that. 
because you, you're, you're not going to let him get that game away. You're not going to let him lose it. So that's where uh, you, you have the, like the relay race, if you will. You've got enough of a, a day off. You had a, a previous day, the travel day yesterday. Everybody got a rest. I think Bradford's a really important guy for the Rangers, especially as a lefty. Find that big spot. Maybe it's that second time through. But to your point, you've got a lane. Typically with the D-backs, you've got a lane of righties in the middle of the game. And I, it's going to be a tough challenge, I'm sure, for Bruce Bochy. Do you take Scherzer out of the game and replace him with another righty? And, and how would that kind of either feel for Max or, or, or feel for the flow of your bullpen if you pull out a righty and put in another righty? I think that's the big question. I think Alec Thomas is a really key guy tonight because he, he gives your lineup some balance from the left side. Um, and I think Max, I think one of the big challenges he faced earlier in his career was how do I approach the left-hand hitters? Now, obviously, he's gotten a lot better since then, but it's almost like you come back around to your, to your earliest foundations here when you're just kind of getting your, your arm back underneath you with, with the time that Max had missed, Kevin. I still think the lefty hitters are going to be a, a big obstacle for him, and certainly a righty like Tommy Pham, four hits in his last game. My goodness, uh, he's having the series of his life so far. John, now that you've had a chance to spend some time around the Diamondbacks, I'm not going to ask you if they're for real, but I am going to ask you, are they here for a long time? In other words, is this just the beginning of their window of opportunity? And, and you know, we're going to see them around in the postseason a couple of more times before that, that window closes. Well, I, I think so, because when you look at the foundation of what they've built, it is sustainable. Now, uh, I'll preface this by saying, we have been fooled before about how long certain windows of certain teams are going to be, and I'm not promising they're going to be in the World Series every year, but do I think that they are a, a legitimately ascendant team in the National League West? I do. Corbin Carroll was signed for the next millennium, so he's there for a while. Cattell Marte is still under contract for a while. Uh, if you look at their rotation, they've got Gallon for, for a while still. They've got Kelly. They've got Brandon Fought. They believe that some of the next generation of starters is getting close. Love their bullpen. They've got Seawald still for another year. Ginkle is there for a while. Thompson is still there for a while. So they've got a lot of really good ingredients. Alec Thomas is a homegrown guy. Um, they'll have some decisions to make with, with Fam and others. But listen, and I know Jays fans don't want to hear this, they've got a cornerstone catcher in, in Moreno. He is an excellent, excellent ball player. We all know this. We don't have to cover that ground again. But the reality is they've got a guy that they believe is going to be a, a really important piece for them for a long time. And when you talk about the foundational elements of a sustainable club, I know Mark DeRosa has talked about this a bit too, he, he sees, you know, maybe not the exact same thing as a Buster Posey with, with Moreno, but there are, there are some commonalities of being a younger catcher taking your team all the way to the World Series. Um, he's an excellent thrower. I think he's got a really good rapport with the, with the pitching staff. So the, they've, they've got a lot that you like about a team. And Torre Lavello is a great manager. He really is. I think he understands um, the, the, this team very, very well. And it's, he's built a, a club and a culture where people want to play. And I've always said this about the Diamondbacks, too. When it comes to free agency – they, they're going to have a structural advantage because once players get to be a certain age and maybe they've, they've started a family, they've got kids, and if you as a, as a free agent courtship can say, hey, listen, you sign with us, 
if you live in Arizona, you get to stay home for 12 months out of the year because we have spring training in our right. town. You get to live there in the off season. I mean, it is in terms of a free agent pitch. If you're a if you're a 32, 33, 34 year old player with a couple kids, is honestly the best situation you can imagine. And I think that that now that they're in the World Series, I think that that recruiting pitch is going to get a lot easier to make. John, really good point. Really good insight, as always. We appreciate your time. Travel safely, my friend. Enjoy the baseball. Thanks, JP. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the game through tonight. should be a lot of fun. Thank you. See you, buddy. Well, take care. That's John Paul Morosi. Wow. MLB Network dropping a Buster, Buster Posey on Jays fans. What just happened? <laughs> Man. Well, I mean, I, hey, I, I, heard the, I, mean, uh, Mark De, I heard Mark DeRosa's conversation talking about strength up the middle, and yeah. uh, and he did. And, and there's, I mean, I got to admit, now I think, I, I still think Buster Posey will be a better offensive player than than Gabriel Moreno or or, or is I I still I'm not certain Gabriel Moreno will be as good as Buster Posey, but man, in terms of longevity, you know, you look at I'll, I'll tell you this, and I'm not saying this to be cute, I'm not saying this to draw comparisons with Alejandro Kirk, but you look at that body type. Gabby Moreno's put together. Thank, thanks, Jeff, for pointing that out. We we really appreciate that. Uh, look, I I think the big surprise for me is he can pull velocity in the air now. I, 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 that, yeah. I would love to, I would love when this is over for us to get somebody on that will tell us why or how he's been able to do that. Is it mindset? Is it confidence? Is, is it playing it reps? every day, Kevin? Is, uh, that... uh, the, uh, is it a combination of everything? Like. That when you're doing that, will tell you all you need to know about how he's feeling. And he's hitting third for a team in the World Series. That's something else. And that's a lot of credit to him for knowing that it's not okay all the time to inside out a 17 opera to right field. Like, it's just <laughs> not okay. It's pretty cool for it to watch. We haven't spent a great deal of time talking about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. What do you think of his game? And is he is he different at all than the guy you saw in Toronto? And you think some? I think somebody's going to give him a pretty decent free agent contract, don't you? Yeah, I don't know what that'd be. Right, a couple of years maybe. I mean, he's yeah. He's I mean, I said, put it this way: he's going to get more as a free agent now than I thought he would have gotten with the Blue Jays. Yeah, more eyes have seen him. Right, they've seen him against better pitching. They know that you know he's long limbed. I mean, if I know it, they know it. Now he's long limbed. If he the little stride separate thing he does in his lower half, if that's on point, like everything's in tune, and you know he can hit velocity, he can use the entire field. He's good at laying off the strike to ball, breaking ball. Like he can do some things offensively. It's on the defensive side, right? It's you know would he be more if you sign him more of a first baseman? Than he would be left fielder. You know, is he playing? Is he DH? more than he's playing in the field, right? I, I don't think he's going to hurt you in all three of those spots. But, you know, look, I think he would be a really good six-hole hitter on a really good team. That's what I think. I don't think he has to play every day to help your team win baseball games and go as far as you think your team can go. What that's worth, I have no idea. But, no, I, he is what he is. Like, all of yeah. a sudden – He's not going to, you know, go out there and, I don't know, hit probably clean up and hit 30 homers. He ain't going to be that guy. But he's going to give you a competitive at-bat most of the time. And whatever that's worth, I think he is a really good player on a really good team, which is what we're seeing right now.
Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think the thing that knowing a bit about you know his career tra- trajectory, remembering that game when he was at second base for the Blue Jays, he had just an awful game and he was taken out of the game and basically went to the organization. And he said, you know, let me go down to AAA. Let me kind of mm-hmm. get my head together. And it was it was probably going to happen anyhow. But yeah, kind of happy for the guy to to put together the type of year he's having. You know, I mean, it's, hey, it's you know. If you can play, if you can contribute to a real good team, why are you laughing? I'm just saying, if you can contribute to a really good team, I, mean, I think it says a lot about you. I mean, we beat this up, haven't we? I mean, when we, we turn the page up. here. I'd still, I'd like, still, no, I'd still rather have Dalton uh, Varsho in the left field than Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I just would. Uh, it just, that, you just can't be without all. You, uh, let's be honest. They, they messed that up because you can't be without all three. I mean, you got rid of your cleanup hitter, the future catcher of your organization, and a 300 hitter. I mean, you could give up one or two of them, but not all three of them. So to say that they screwed that up is the understatement of the century. Let's be honest. They needed at least one of them in their lineup. How many outs does Max Scherzer get tonight before he leaves? What do you think? Over or under? I think I'm going to steal a dusty line. It's a per, he's on a performance count. <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it. How's that? I think that's the best way to put it. 8 o'clock tonight on Sportsnet, Game 3 of the World Series. It's tied one game apiece. And we'll be back tomorrow from 11 to noon Eastern to break it all down right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, enjoy the baseball and have a great day.